Hi, Maggie. <laughs> it's our first episode of Mad Woman in the Attic. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel like I picked the perfect coffee cup. I think says, so, too. I may cry, but I still get things done. Um, because we maybe cried out of our eyes and our armpits. So yeah. <laughs> We're up. doing this after how many hours have I been here? <laughs> Two. <laughs> Maybe an hour and a half. I was pretty late. That's, yeah, that's not actually as bad as I thought it was. So, um, that we've been setting up our audio and video recording and Googling how to fucking do it. Women in STEM. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Should we do our theme song? Yeah. Okay. It's, we made this for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And one, and two. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, Let's go, go girls. I need our listeners, uh, aka our moms, I need them to know that we're making eye contact in each other through two ring lights that are not even on. They're, we are truly the silliest we have ever been. Um, Let's talk about what we're doing here <laughs> mad woman Good in the point. attic yeah so this is i think we first started talking about doing this like almost a year ago at this point wow really yeah it's been at least six months that we've been putting <laughs> almost this off. a year <laughs> six months six the the second six months of a year uh, don't count they don't count <laughs> okay. it's okay. called girl math girl math girl math <laughs> Anyways, we named it for the the common trope in fiction, and if you're a woman, reality. <laughs> the mad woman in the attic trope, which is just this idea that women who subvert expectations, don't fit social norms, often when they're acting like wild in men, yeah. if we're honest, mm-hmm. um, that they're crazy or mentally ill or aggressive. Um, aggressive, there's something wrong with them. And we just see throughout history and today uh, that those women were confined, isolated, controlled by the men in their life, usually their Mm -hmm. husbands or their fathers. And we started talking about these stories like months ago because uh, we related to them. And also, I think me and Maggie are both lit nerds. Yeah. Yes. We love like storytelling. I think we both think like stories are powerful not to sound cliche Mm -hmm. and i think the way that these women's stories have been told is always so flat yeah and from such a like male patriarchal lens Mm -hmm. and we just thought it would be exciting to like tell these i feel like society is like moving like (laughs) it's the year of the barbie movie (laughs) yes we are telling women's stories with more complexity and more nuance, but I think where we still get tripped up is like problematic women. Yes. <laughs> and so we just thought it would be fun to like, like female criminals, mm-hmm. witches, <laughs> supporting women's rights and women's wrongs and, and their wrongs. <laughs> and also like, I, like powerful women. I feel like we're not like yeah. super comfortable with powerful women yet. Like mm-hmm. politicians, writers, artists, women who like made people go, ugh. Yeah. They're weird. Yeah. And like looking at their stories and telling them in a way that has all the complexity and nuance mm-hmm. that we give similar men. Yeah. 
or who were partnered with a powerful, well-known man in kind of like the mastermind behind everything. But she, her story isn't told as often because she, there was a man involved and he yeah. gets like the limelight. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's what we're doing here. The plan, which might change as plans do, is that each week one of us will look up one of these stories and we'll tell each other um, and our listeners who, once again... It's probably just our moms yeah. at this point. Hey, Jill. I apologize hey, in advance for the cursing. Also, shout out to my dad who did not lock me in an attic. I want to be clear that my father... Before we start this episode specifically. Because you were like, mostly by men, like husbands and fathers. I'm like, well, I do want to clarify. Shout out to my dad who is our number one fan. Perry and Kevin are great guys. Love Other for men? Perry and Kevin. Not so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apologies to Jill for... I'll just have to give a content warning before each episode and be like, Jill, this is one you can listen to. Yeah, any content warnings we ever give are going to be for our mommies. Just our moms. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what else do we need to say about this? I think that's pretty much it. We... Us. We didn't introduce ourselves. Well, the only other thing I would say is like, it'll basically... Probably mostly Maggie. Simple. It will mostly be a mix of like some true crime, some dark history. Yes. But like I also think that there's going to be just some really interesting stories that maybe don't fall into either of those categories. But I think dark history is almost a little bit of a better category than true crime. Yeah. Um, Even though a lot of the dark history involves crime. We will have criminals. Criminal women. Yeah, but also spooky women and also just normal, powerful women. Yeah, or women like I'm sure we'll do an episode on Shelley Miscavige. (laughs) Women that make you go, that's weird. That's interesting. Yeah, Um, that is our focus. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? Why did we even start talking about this in the first place? Uh Let's get into that. So. Me and Maggie are best friends. We're also neighbors. We live two minutes down the street from each other. And we have recently found ourselves in like a similar place in life where we're both single, happy to be single. We both turned 30 within a couple weeks of each other. We've gotten to this place in life from very different routes, but Mm -hmm. it's become like a core part of our friendship that I think both of us really value where we can talk about you know how much we love being independent Mm -hmm. and also like the difficulties of like some parts of it really suck and being able to be platonic partners to each other like through all of the ups and ups and downs like yesterday when a wasp (laughs) flew into my laundry room and (laughs) maggie dropped everything she was doing to drive over and help me i did (laughs) but i think like that is has been like a really beautiful turn in our friendship this year and yeah maybe probably and that's where like this idea came out of because I think as much as we like the place in life that each of us is at I think there are definitely social societal expectations that we're Mm -hmm. not meeting and there's a lot of pressure around that and conversation around it and I think judgment that Mm -hmm. you just it's like a natural part of being single at our age and especially a single woman at our age 
and particularly a single woman who isn't looking for a husband. Yeah, is intentionally single. Yeah, I think is like, um, yeah, the place that we kind of came up mm-hmm. with this idea from. And I feel like I've been talking too much. So why don't you share where you're at in life, how you got mm-hmm. here, a little bit about you, Maggie. Okay. So I feel like we had kind of, you and I had similar beginnings mm-hmm. in the church. And my experience was a little bit different, I think, than some people's because overall it was like generally like the best. <laughs> All my best friends were at youth group. Like I spent as much extra time there as I could. Like um, it was just like a really fun time um, in life. So it wasn't really until later that I started kind of recognizing some of the issues, particularly around purity culture. Once I got into college is when kind of I started deconstructing, you know, that part of my life. Well, through that time, I was like writing letters to my husband, like all the time. Like I had a box of them, of letters that I wrote to my future husband. Um, So I was totally convinced that I was going to be married with two kids by like 25. Um, That clearly has not happened for various reasons. One of those which I'll kind of talk about again in a bit, is just the fact that anytime I got close to having a romantic relationship, I felt uncomfy and I kind of froze up and just didn't really enjoy it once it came into fruition. Also mental illness. (laughs) Mental illness, Annette. Um, Which kind of shakes up your priorities a bit. So getting married was not um, a priority when I was (laughs) wanting to die. (laughs) We're just going to lay it out all out yeah. on the table. Yeah, right. First episode. It's that kind of podcast. Yes. So, yeah, I think like, I mean, I had a little bit of like a, a queer awakening, I think, in college. I did end up having one partner briefly in graduate school. He, he was the worst. <laughs> um, <laughs> But basically, that was like the only relationship I've had, um, despite all my years of like thinking that this was like what I was destined for was like to be married to a man specifically. And so I graduated grad school. I moved to Oklahoma City by myself um, where I didn't really know anybody, lived by myself and was still kind of like intentionally dating, hoping I would meet somebody. And then it wasn't really until like the last few years Something about, like, I think being in a house, like, also kind of, like, just created this additional space, like, physical space for me to feel like I was coming into, like, who I really was outside of how I relate to other people. Um, And also a lot of solitude that I genuinely really was learning to enjoy. Every time I kind of stepped into the dating world again, it was miserable. Uh, I feel like I made a joke um, a while back on one of the last dates I almost went on um, to Sarah about how I found myself wishing I would get into a fender bender <laughs> so I wouldn't have to go. Um, so multiple things like that have happened over the last few years. And I think it was really a couple years ago that I started exploring the idea of gray romantic, where it's like, I love the idea of romantic. I cry in Pride and Prejudice, you know, like all those things, but like in like action, I don't. And I think I really like learn to accept that. There's always ups and downs with like a week I feel really lonely. Like I open up my hinge again. (laughs) But for the most part, like I really, really enjoy being single. I really enjoy my platonic relationships. 
and there's, you know, struggles that come with that as well. Like when that is your priority, um, and not everybody else's priority, but overall it's been really lovely to kind of learn that about myself and accept that about myself and then use my time alone and my time with my friends and really value that time. So yeah, so now I just turned 30. We'll wrap it up. Yay. Now I just turned 30. Not yay to wrapping it up. Yay to turning 30. <laughs> Thanks for the clarification. Just to clarify. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just turned 30 back in May. And so yeah, I'm entering my 30s, like very like single on purpose, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think for me, this podcast is really important because I feel like it's going to give us the chance to talk about like the world isn't built for single people yeah Um, especially women especially women especially women who are 30 and beyond Mm -hmm. vacations are weird eating alone is weird Mm -hmm. like not because any of those things feel weird on their own but because the world around you makes you feel like they think you're weird yeah (laughs) or just that they're built for partners yes uh, there's so many things that feel like built for partnerships yes yeah like even like restaurants will kind of hurry out tables of one because Mm -hmm. the tip isn't going to be as big you know Mm -hmm. like so just like things that feel small that like when all of these things add up just feels like a little bit like you're always out of place Mm -hmm. and so I think that and then the whole like lack of interest in having like a long-term romantic sexual relationship uh, has been what has made me feel at this time of my life like just a little bit not an outcast but like a little bit on the fringes, I guess, mm-hmm. um, a little bit subverting social norms. I think a lot of it has been about coming to terms with this life that particularly religion told me I should have yeah. and build uh, multiple kids, big family. And so there's been always this kind of contrast between like that kind of expectation that I had, like little Maggie had for my life, mm-hmm. plus this deep sense of like pr- pride, I guess, and like especially after dealing with like assault and severe mental illness and getting to where I am now where I live by myself and I support myself and I'm back in school like to be a counselor like all those things I'm like deeply proud of uh so there's a weird kind of like friction between those two things that I feel like has been a big focus of you know sorting out over the last few years I guess so all that to say yeah now I'm here 30 living my best life loving it dealing with just kind of the ups and downs of what it means to like be a woman entering her 30s who loves the way she lives when the world doesn't love the way she lives. Yeah. So that's me. Also, I'm Maggie. Uh, We didn't (laughs) introduce ourselves right up front, but my name is Maggie. So Sarah, how about you tell us your journey to where you're at now? My journey. That feels very bachelor, doesn't it? Delilah. We're just on this journey together. <laughs> I like how you've referenced the bachelor and I referenced Delilah. Delilah on the radio. <laughs> yeah. It's I, you talking about your background, your journey. <laughs> it just reminded me, like, again, why we wanted to do this because I think. Mm-hmm we had completely opposite routes to where we are, where we found ourselves today. Yeah. And still so many common threads where like, I also grew up in like a very conservative Christian home. Mm -hmm. By the time I was in college, I had already left the church. Uh, But I did end up marrying my first boyfriend Mm -hmm. who I met in college, which was not really something I set out to do. That kind of happened 
more by chance. And I think as I've gotten older, I've reflected a lot more on, I think, even though I had left the church and the man I married was an atheist and it didn't feel like those Christian values and, you know, it didn't feel like that was the reason I got married young. But I think the more I've thought back on it, I think I was still very much under the influence of that idea you were talking about, Maggie, Mm -hmm. that was like, you know, you need to get married, you need to have kids, it's important to have a family, like that's the meaning of life, that's what gives your life purpose. And so that was how I found myself married at 25. I uh, started dating my ex-husband at 20. We definitely didn't rush into getting married. I feel like when we were getting married, almost felt like everyone was like, what's taking you so long? And when Mm -hmm. I look back, I'm like, I was 25. Yeah. You know, and I was young, but it didn't feel like we were rushing into things. And um, then now I found myself in a place where I'm divorced. I left my husband. It was a mutual decision, but I moved out in the invisible six months before I turned 30, the six months that don't count. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like right around when I was turning 30 and I found myself single and living alone for the first time Mm -hmm. in my adult life at the age of 30 and also at a time where I feel like most people are getting to that like settle down phase where they're getting engaged and they're getting married and they're having their first kids and I'm kind of surrounded by all of that at the same time that I'm letting go of that for my personal life Mm -hmm. so I think like you were saying there's this duality of experience right now for me um, where I feel like I have really enjoyed for the most part this phase of my life where I'm single I think I'm like in an exploration of self kind Mm -hmm. of phase where I'm getting to know myself alone for Mm -hmm. the first time really because I always you know lived in my parents house and then I moved in with my husband right after college. And I think this is the first time I've really had enough time and space with myself to really think like, what do I like? What are my hobbies? How do Mm -hmm. I like to spend my evenings? What's most important to me without the influence of anyone else in my life? And that's been really exciting and positive and an experience I really wouldn't trade for anything. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, there's just this huge grief of my relationship ending obviously is it is sad and terrible i think anyone who's gone through a divorce will tell you that um but i think there's also this grief of like this the self i was in that relationship Mm -hmm. and the future i had planned within that relationship and Mm -hmm. that future that we had planned together really fit into the box of like we're going to buy a house we're going to have one to two kids we have you know jobs with pensions and that that kind of thing and now I feel very much like I'm letting go of a lot of that I'm letting Mm -hmm. go of the timeline and like the fixed plan that we had and it feels very loosey-goosey and free which is good in one way and like very terrifying yeah in in the other sense Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I have found myself now where I'm like 
newly single and I think one of the things that what inspired us to do a podcast together is that we're in the same place I feel like Maggie as she was talking about um her like 20s Maggie in our whole friend group is like the seasoned single girly who's like I am I will show you the way I will show you the light <laughs> and, and was a huge reason that I moved back it can back. be fun I yeah, promise yeah. it's not that bad <laughs> come to the dark side <laughs> and I she was a big reason why I the main reason why I moved back to Oklahoma City when I uh, was going through my divorce because I thought it was so important to be surrounded by people who weren't marriage baby track right now. Mm-hmm. Not that, like, I have friends that are that way and I love them and love love that for you. Mm-hmm. We support those women too, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> it was important for me to be surrounded by people that weren't either weren't living their life that way mm-hmm. or didn't feel like I needed to in order to be happy so mm-hmm. that I didn't feel that weight of that expectation around me while I was grappling with it myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I don't know exactly what my future is going to look like, but I, so far, I really like being on my own. Mm -hmm. I think I won't compare apples to oranges, but, like, this season has felt more, much more, like, aligned with what I want out of life Mm -hmm. and than, like, my previous season of life, (laughs) which was partnered, Um, even though I had a very nice, you know, lovely partner. So, anyways... That's me. Yay. That's how we've found ourselves here. Yeah. Making this podcast. Looking at each other through two ring lights. (laughs) And that's why we picked women on the fringes. Because even though I feel like neither of us... I, I think we're both upstanding citizens. Right. We're not committing crimes. <laughs> we're not criminals. Or, or are, are we? we? <laughs> we'll <evasion>. never tell. <laughs> Arson. What's your... Okay, quick question. What's your crime of choice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mine is arson, personally. I would love to burn something down. Hmm. What is my crime of choice? <laughs> I'm just a girl. <laughs> Maybe theft. Just general theft or like grand theft auto or... Identity theft. Ooh, okay. Maybe identity theft or under the right circumstances... I whispered it so that yeah. the FBI will never find me. <laughs> With the eight things that are recording us right now. You whispered it into a mic. Catch me if you can. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Okay. But that's Good. why we picked these stories. Yeah. Because we felt like we related to them and like how I was saying it was comforting to be around friends and people who were also living like single or living in a much more like there's no expectation a bunch of different Mm -hmm. lifestyles can be beautiful and happy and full i think it's fun to look at stories of women that don't quite fit the mold and be like they were awesome or there was more to them than maybe we see when Mm -hmm. we look at their stories yeah so Maggie is sharing our first first mad woman yes and i have not i know the story like the topic the general i know idea. the woman but i don't know the story we're yeah. going to try to leave these as much of a surprise for yeah. each other as we can mm-hmm. um and i'm very excited for this one yeah 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 all right so now we get to the story are you ready yes <laughs> i'm very excited okay me too 
So this is a, for all the listeners, meaning our moms out there, this is a real life woman in the attic story. And I also have a book recommendation at the end too. That will, it really, you said earlier that like the stories about women are like, they're very flat. Yeah. And so this book recommendation will be good. Now, is this the woman that like, I imagine not that the trope is like named after or is she just an example? She's just an example. Of the literal mad woman in the attic trope. Yeah. But we should come up with like a running list of because I know it's like in fables and folklore too. And that's the stuff that I'm a little bit less familiar with. That's really, really interesting. Um, So maybe we could have a couple episodes that are like fiction and yeah. we talk about the fables so. i would imagine there's also many 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 that are a little like more subtle yeah where it's just women being discredited mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah plenty of those <laughs> <laughs> aka every, every fictional woman. story ever written by a man yes <laughs> <laughs> let's hear um. it for the boys <laughs> i got one snap for yeah me. we should we should do a segment also of like men writing women where they just write them terribly. Boobs. Her boobs bounced boobily oh <laughs> and perked boobily. up when she was happy. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's just boobs are so emotionally expressive. I know, in right? fiction written by men. <laughs> it's like the mood ring of the body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why focus on her smile when you can focus on her boobs that tell all that she's feeling? Because they're not even looking at our eyes. <laughs> I can't wait for. I'm gonna put the neat nur neat nur in the audio, and nobody's gonna know what I just did unless they watch the video. That'll be a quiz. What was Maggie doing? There will be a quiz the during the neat nur neat nur noise. I know because I witnessed it. Live in person. <laughs> okay, let's get ready. Oh, I'm, I'm oh, ready. ready. Okay. How 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 how? Story time. This is the late 19th century France. Her name, which is the part I think I already told you, is Blanche Monnier. Blanche? Blanche! Um, Yeah, Blanche if she's in France. Blanche if she's over here in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. (laughs) Which is where we are. By the way, (laughs) we're in Oklahoma. We are in the armpit of the. (laughs) But we don't readily tell people that just because of. (laughs) But also, it's a lot cooler than you think. Preconceived notions. Right. (laughs) Which are mostly true. Politics, bad. Beer, food, great. Tornadoes? Tornadoes, bad. They're real. (laughs) They do exist. Okay, let's rein in our brainy brains. Yes. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Is that going to be like our grounding? <laughs> the reset for the next section? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we're getting a little Is the twilight. unfocused. <laughs> we're dealing with two people who probably actually have ADHD. Yes. I'll let you know in a month when I go get diagnosed finally. <laughs> and um, so this yeah. yeah, we'll have lots of journeys. Bouncing around, which journeys. is either going to be really fun because I'm not going to edit it out or it's going to be miserable for me because I will try to edit it out. I think we should not. I think I'm going to leave it. And if you're a skipper and you're going to just skip the first part where we're just shooting the shit, you're going to miss out. <laughs> first of all, how dare how you? Dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, fuck you. You're here for the research? <laughs> Why? <laughs> 
we're here for fun and murder and giggles yeah about murder and the goss back to blanche um so she was a french socialite and a total babe i can Uh, tell from the pics yes like she was renowned for her physical beauty also i feel like she has like some long nose girly representation i love it and that makes me personally feel really great (laughs) so she was like hot hot and she liked attending parties uh and socializing so she had like suitors just like lining up at her door love that for her Bit of a party girl, but also she was described as, like, very gentle and good-natured. So she was, like, like the pretty girl you'd run into in the bathroom of the bar that you're jealous of at first because you're like, oh, my God, you're so hot. And then she's, like, the sweetest person ever. Wow. Yeah. Um, instant bathroom bar girl bestie I already type. feel sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that she had a smile that could light up a room? Probably. Which is always <laughs> That's a bad red flag. <laughs> that is instant, instant bad ending. <laughs> she made it to 25 unmarried. <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god. The scandal. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't her family, but like her dislike for her family that really made her want to get out of her parents' house. Like, Mm. she didn't get along with her mom. She suffered from anorexia, um, which I... Obviously, there's a lot of reasons for stuff like that, but, you know, there's a lot of, speaking from experience, issues with, like, control and stuff like that and self-confidence. So if you're growing up in a... This is not about my mother, what I'm about to say, by the way. Jill, I love you. (laughs) But if you grow up in, like, an environment that's, like, pretty kind of, like, controlling or the opposite, very chaotic, then, like, there's, like, a kind of method of control through eating disorder. Whooping out my psych knowledge there. (laughs) So she met and fell in love with an older lawyer. Um, So when I originally read the story, I kind of thought she just found a guy to marry to get away from her mom. And I'm like, well, yeah, that was just what you had to do back then. Red flag. Red flag. Um, A man of the law. Yeah. Red flag. Also red flag. An older man of the law. Red flag. Well, kind of hot. (laughs) Maybe. Girl, we get it. Yeah. So, yeah, so I kind of thought, like, okay, this is just, like, a situation where she was like, I just need to get out of the house, um, so I'm going to go marry this guy, picked this random suitor of her list of suitors, and was like, deuces. But they were probably actually in love, and after reading the story, I have come to this conclusion, you'll see why. Interesting. So Blanche's, Blanche, Blanche's family was super conservative, <laughs> wealthy and well-known um so like they were on committees and they were given awards and shit like they were very well known um so when her mom found out that the older lawyer she was seeing was not wealthy <laughs> yeah yeah you can imagine she was unhappy and that's kind of like the moment like the the turning point that kind of leads to her ultimate fate mm. so her mother argued that she couldn't marry, quote unquote, a penniless lawyer and fought tooth and nail to get Blanche to change her mind. But she was determined, uh, which like led to an explosive argument with her mom, who ultimately locked Blanche away in a tiny attic room. Because she wanted to marry. <laughs> to marry a lawyer who was penniless. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine being like, Mom, I have fallen in love with... An established man of the law. Yeah. And your mom being like, not in this no, house. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So 
Not just locked. I know. It gets so much worse. Not just locked, but like completely isolated. So it was already a small space. But they also barricaded the windows to prevent any light from entering the room. Mm. So a nightmare for anyone. But like all my other seasonal depression girlies out there, extra, extra nightmare. We need sunlight. Yeah. Um, So her mother refused to let her out unless she agreed to break off the engagement. Uh, which she refused to do, which is why I'm like, okay, this yeah. girl was like in love. Yeah. <laughs> like love, love. <laughs> like if you're marrying anyone like to just get away from your family, like you just go find another right. guy. Fair enough. Be like, okay, great. I'll go marry someone richer. <laughs> Either that or I wonder if it was also like on principle. Yeah. I could also see her being like on principle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Excuse my literal French. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Married or something. Or that's death. I don't know. I can't. I Ignore don't know me. the French word for fuck you. For all our French listeners out yeah. there, my apologies. <laughs> There's no one in France listening no, to this. No, I don't think there uh, is. If it's 20 years since this originally aired and we became super podcast famous and there are French listeners who got all the way back to this first episode. I can't imagine a uh, world in which that happens. Yeah. Look, but let, a girl can dream. Let me dream. I will let you dream. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I will support your dreams. Okay. I will, my, hold, my them, Delulu. I will hold them in the palm of my hand. <laughs> and go. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, Maggie. I wouldn't. <laughs> back to the attic (laughs) yeah back to the attic back to blanche yes so she stayed in their room and they fed her scraps made her sleep on a bed of hay and she was just like never seen again what um so exactly so you might be wondering how Um, do you know if she had siblings or was she an only had a brother at least of course yes Uh, a sister would never let right yeah yeah no way so she was a well-known socialite so like even back then like it would be hard for someone with her level of like yeah not to notice yeah yeah so so people knew people noticed her being gone yeah well the reason nobody really questioned it is because her parents faked her death to ward off any questions oh yeah went so far as to pretend that they were mourning in public Oh, but like Blanche's friends and her lover were just like never told how she died. Once again, we're left with the question. Yeah. Why have children? Exactly. If you don't like them. Right. Yeah. And are going to love and support them no matter what their decisions are. Why have them? Yeah. And her lover never even really questioned Blanche's death because her like Blanche's mother was like so good at like the manipulation of the situation that he was just like, oh, oh, yeah. Damn. That poor, I mean, we hate to pity a man, but that poor man. Yeah. Thought she was dead. Yeah. Do you think he ever, well, I'll let you finish the story. Uh, yeah, it's sad. Ugh. So. Also, I'm looking at a picture of what I'm assuming is their estate. Yeah. Nice. Spooky. Yeah. Spooky, big, nice. There's a very haunted. small window in yeah. the attic. That, that was probably the one that was boarded up. Yeah. So soon people just like forgot about her (laughs) Um, until 1901 so 25 years have passed since she disappeared 50 now since she quote-unquote died yeah 50 ish and the paris attorney general received an anonymous letter that claimed blanche was being confined involuntarily so and i have here's what the letter said it said monsieur attorney general did you like that yes thank you 
I have the honor, which is weird wording, to inform you of an exceptionally serious occurrence. I speak of a spinster. We'll have a whole episode <clears throat> on the word spinster. Who is locked up in Madame Monnier's house, half starved and living on a putrid litter for the past 25 years. In a word, in her own filth. So the police thought she was dead. And like, I was, I read this and I was like, I wonder if some of them even knew who she was. Like, it's 25 years. Surely yeah. there'd been like turnover, like retirement, yeah. new police officers, new people into the city. But they did decide to go to the house and investigate, which like feels pretty significant. Like Madame Monnier, the mother was still well known and wealthy and like lauded for her contributions to the community. So I'm surprised they didn't just ignore the letter and be like no way yeah you know so a cab but like i'm glad they looked into it (laughs) i always think that like you know people will say like when a crime happens Mm -hmm. like it's many people usually know who did it or what's going on and for whatever motivations don't say anything yeah and this feels like a situation where there was probably a lot of people who suspected Mm -hmm. to the point where they someone could make an absurd anonymous letter to right. police and they would be like, well, we better go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact that it was written like for the past 25 years, it says like this person isn't just someone's like locked in a room. Yeah, it's not like they heard it. It's they like probably we know knew about it the whole time. Is. Yeah. Um, so they didn't ignore the letter. Thank goodness. Um, and when they arrived at the house, Blanche's mother ignored their knocking. She just like didn't answer the door. Um, I think there was something I read that was like she like peeked out a curtain and then just like didn't go. So obviously they had to force their way in and break down the padlocked door to the attic. Um, And this is like obviously where it gets so, so sad, even more sad. Um, So when the door opened, they were hit with a putrid, terrible smell. I imagine like what they thought they were going to find a corpse. Yeah, like for sure. But she was alive, barely um, in her early 50s covered in feces and food bugs everywhere but the part that made me the most nauseous was that she was basically like a skeleton yeah um 55 pounds i can see in the picture yeah did you say 55 pounds pounds. yeah overgrown matted black hair but was like completely naked um and hadn't seen sunlight the whole time 25 years with no sun so this is like what one of the police officers said about the event As soon as light entered the room, we noticed in the back, lying on a bed, her head and body covered by a repulsively filthy blanket, a woman identified as Mademoiselle Blanche Monnier. The unfortunate woman was lying completely naked on a rotten straw mattress. All around her was formed a sort of crust made from excrement, fragments of meat, vegetables, fish, and rotten bread. We also saw oyster shells and bugs running across Mademoiselle Monnier's bed. Mm. Terrible. Um, another officer said the unfortunate woman was lying in filth with the smell so nauseous it was impossible to stay in the room for any length of time. Which, like, wow, how can that, like, I feel like the rest of the family must have been living with some sort of, that they're just, like, dealing with the smell, the smell. seeping throughout the house. Like, there's no way that's There's no contained. way the house didn't smell that way, like, throughout the home. And yeah. Even, I imagine, you would be able to smell it in the surrounding area yeah yeah so they took blanche to a hospital and apparently she was like so kind and gracious Mm. to the nurses and so happy to be saved um she was given so 
like they you know she was like gentle good-natured like she remained that way for the people once she was saved she was given a bath and food but when the police questioned blanche's mother her mother of course said she was insane claimed she had violent tendencies and had been mentally ill even as a child of course blanche's brother even backed up their mother also of course Mm -hmm. saying that she could have left at any time but she chose to stay in the attic yeah through the padlock yeah so because it's so easy i know so easy if she just wanted to bad enough she would be able to yeah (laughs) there's a lot of like i feel like analogies in that phrase alone like if she wanted to find a partner she'd be able to if she really wanted to get better at mental health she'd be able to you know like i won't go on a tangent but her father still living when they found her uh her father i think had died well I'm going to fact check myself, I think, because I may mention it in the script. Because it Um, seems like her mother was really driving the abuse. Yeah, Yeah. for the most part. I I want to know so much more because Mm -hmm. at the time, I feel like it would have been really difficult for a woman to, like, call shots that that her husband didn't agree with yeah you know yeah unless he was just like i mean that's a whole other thing like men passively sitting by enabling yeah yeah yeah. or being complicit so i'm sure you can guess what kind of punishment they faced so her mother was arrested but became ill and died 15 days later whoa so no justice there um and blanche's brother was actually convicted <laughs> Blanche's brother was actually convicted and sentenced to drum roll 15 months. Oh. But he was a lawyer. What? Yeah. So he was actually acquitted on appeal after being deemed mentally incapacitated. I thought, I thought we didn't allow lawyers in this family. I know. Apparently, well, only penniless ones, I guess. Rich ones, maybe. Oh. Yeah. So he. I think manipulated his way into getting himself deemed as mentally incapacitated. There was also no duty to rescue law in Paris at the time, which I think just means if you know someone's in trouble, you're not required to do anything. So basically the judge was just unable to wild. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, I do think the dad had passed. Do we know what happened to her afterwards? Did she live a long time after? Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear (gasps) it. Was she reunited with her love? Not that that has to be the happy ending. I would have loved it to be the happy ending. Uh, yeah. So an angry mob. Here's a little bit of like, okay. Oh, you know, a, mo- a French mob. Yeah. Yay. An angry French mob. We, we love. We love the we French love mobs. French we mob. love. French know how I to I love riot. a mob of any kind. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Maybe I love not storming a, the I Capitol. love a mob with a cause <laughs> that yeah. I agree with. Yes. <laughs> Specifically. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah, an angry mob did apparently gather at the mother's house. Um, and the people in the courtroom were pissed about her brother's acquittal. So, like, at least there was some social, like, so uprising the town and was outcry. Upset. Yeah, but of course that didn't actually, like, do anything. Yeah. Um, and how many of those people also knew about this the whole time and were just now upset because something was being done? Mm-hmm. Right. So Blanche was free, except not really. <laughs> um, so she received medical care, but was at this point severely mentally ill and this this like hurts my heart like she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and even coprophilia which is basically like poop is like used for like sexual arousal 
feces. Yeah. Which is just like heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, and the extra sad cherry on top is that her lover had died just nine years into her imprisonment. So they never saw each other again. And he never knew that she was alive. Oh. Yeah. So she was ultimately like admitted to a psychiatric hospital where she stayed to her death until age 64, which I think means like, I think it was like 12, 10, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah. So sad. But I did think it was like the perfect story to start our podcast on because obviously it's a real life woman in the attic story. And these women in these tropes and in these stories like are so often locked up because they're deemed insane by others. People are saying that the way they're behaving is against some social code or she's a witch or, you know, whatever. Like in Jane Eyre. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you haven't read Jane Eyre, there is a woman who is locked in an attic Mm -hmm. basically for being violent and insane. And Blanche was pretty much insane at the at the end but like it was because of this confinement Mm -hmm. and things that were done to her and that so often seems to be the theme in a lot of these like even the fables the fictional retellings is like well anybody would kind of go insane under those conditions how could you not yeah if it's like you're being an outcast you're being locked away like whether it's isolation for for being ostracized or isolation from being locked for away 25 years 25 years so she was in the just dark, in yeah. your poop yeah so she was a normal girl who liked to party and fell in love uh, and she was punished for it so yeah just a woman living and being punished for doing so because it didn't fit the way someone in her life thought she should be living so the book recommendation that i wanted to give readers <laughs> listeners <laughs> Reader, listeners who are readers, <laughs> um, is The Wide Sargasso Sea by Jean Reese. Have you read it? Mm-mm, no. Okay. I have it on my bookshelf and I will give it to you when you leave. But basically, it's a retelling from the point of view of Bertha Mason, the woman who's yeah. locked in the attic in Jane Eyre, and all the things that led up to her being locked away. She was from the Caribbean, crosses the Sargasso Sea. That's kind of, I think, where the title comes from. And then it shows you this, like, journey where it's, like, ultimately it adds so much more depth to her character. Mm-hmm. She's not just some insane woman trying right. to burn down the house. There's a reason and <laughs> you would burn down the house, too, right. in this situation. So it adds a lot of depth um, and a feminist kind of, like, take on her story. But, yeah, that is the story of Blanche Monnier. Wow. I just can't imagine the dynamics of that family. Mm-hmm. Like to lock your daughter away for that extended of a period of time i imagine the first 25 years of her life were probably also yeah abusive right and i just don't even want to think about Mm -hmm. what happened to her during the time that she was locked up there yeah yeah and it's just like that i feel like i feel this about so many things that people do that are bad and evil and it's like that feels like so much effort. Like mm-hmm. you could if there if you couldn't get over your weird, bigoted, classist attitudes, mm-hmm. then you could just say, You're not welcome in this house anymore. Yeah. Which is also bad. Which is also bad. But it's so much But at least then level. she can have her own life. Yeah, it's another level of effort where it's not just I'm not like taking part in this, but it's a, I'm gonna actively participate in your suffering well and i think when you were saying that anorexia is usually like a coming from a form of needing control 
it sounds like a dynamic where especially her mom but i imagine her other family members Mm -hmm. too where it was more important for them to control her than to just let her go yeah and do whatever she Mm -hmm. wanted i think it's just as bad when you see a family excommunicate someone Mm -hmm. for wanting to get married yeah i mean we still see that i think that's Mm -hmm also hurtful and harmful mm-hmm. but to have the added element of i don't agree with you i don't approve of it and i'm going to it's more important for me to control you yes than to just let you relinquish yeah yeah it's just a wild thing yes and i think like we've both talked a little bit too there's some we've talked about growing up religious and conservative mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of pressure with her I think specifically about how she was like a party girl who fell in love you know Mm -hmm. like in this more conservative family I don't know I didn't really find much about their religion Mm -hmm. but like it it was a more conservative family and so I imagine there was more pressure as far as like sex and intimacy and drinking and partying and that kind of stuff and like there's this idea of like you're almost being just told you're bad for even wanting those things so that part two felt like relevant for us in our upbringing I mean I didn't have like I think it was more like the purity culture of the church not my parents who I received that pressure from but then there's like this whole like reckoning with like I'm like I'm impressed that she was as steadfast as she was Mm -hmm. in that kind of environment where she had probably for her whole life been told the things you do and want and love are bad yeah and just that like her marriage is even a tool for them like I think we always see that like especially before women had rights Mm -hmm. that marriage was a tool for like economic right growth for families Mm -hmm. where you could marry someone wealthier than you and your family could move up in society or like equally as wealthy as you right and that to marry poor to marry someone who didn't have like the right reputation or whatever Mm -hmm. was bad for your family yeah i think that that is still like a conservative ideal Mm -hmm. that like your marriage your like stepping into your independent adult life as a woman is still a tool for your family and like you said my parents did not (laughs) feel this way but i do think like you still when you're in like a very conservative christian upbringing there's still like subtle and Mm -hmm. not so subtle messaging that does feel like it's a handoff from like your father to your husband yeah even just the ceremony of it is that way you know yeah yuck yeah we will put the images that i found on instagram they're disturbing yeah they're it's i there was a picture of just her when she was found but the one where it's next to a photo of her before, mm-hmm. I think, was especially just, like, I, I, like... And she has, like, scrapes and stuff on her face. Like, yeah. Like, she clearly was being yeah hurt. That mm-hmm. doesn't just happen. Yeah. And I think, like, this isn't maybe, uh, like, super related, but I just, like, this is one of those stories where I think you have one life. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can't... Like, I sit here in my cute little home. I'm like, man, this is my one life. And sometimes I start thinking about, like, am I living well? Yeah. Like, there's so many things I want to do. Like, I, this is it. This is my one chance, my one shot. And I have the freedom to 
an extent for the most part to kind of like shape what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I just can't imagine sitting in that room and knowing most likely this is the rest of your life. Yeah. Or even just the years after to think like, wow, half of my life was just spent. I don't know if she was in a mental space to be able to to even even think about it in that way. I also think that like women have so much more agency Mm -hmm. now, but I think like one of the reasons that this trope is still prevalent Mm -hmm. and I think so painful (laughs) is like having your agency taken from you as a Mm -hmm. woman, I think as a human, but as women or people who have had your agency taken from you mm-hmm. historically, it is just really hard to think that that's something that another person would want to do to you. Yeah. And I think still like shows up very in more subtle ways called like when we're talking about like dating mm-hmm. and like, I feel like there are still like power dynamics where yeah. like women don't have as much choice mm-hmm. as men. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Barbie movie <laughs> in the year when Barbie of our goes Lord into Barbie our world, and is suddenly I saw something on Instagram today that was like, Barbie never had any trouble telling Ken no, yeah, because she had never been in a place where she was going to be punished for those yes. things, and it's like you know immediately coming into this world, it's like even just your ability to say no safely, yeah, like that is in a way is also like someone taking away your agency to Mm -hmm. either put you in a position where you can't say no because you fear for your life Mm -hmm. or like you do say no and it's just I can't count the number of times I've told men I've had I have a partner and they are more respectful of me saying I am dating another man of the ownership of that man over me the perceived ownership Mm -hmm. than me saying no for myself yeah that happened to me it was like really early on dating my ex the we were at we were at a bar with a big group of people Mm -hmm. and this guy came up to me and was flirting with me and I was clearly like no thank you I'm not interested Mm -hmm. I'm not interested probably three four times he would not take no for an answer and I always hate having to say I have a boyfriend yeah and I said I have a boyfriend and he said no you don't waves boyfriend over i have a boyfriend and it took him coming over and saying this is my girlfriend for this guy to walk away it makes me so mad which it just shows like that men respect you know i i don't think it's all men i don't feel the need to clarify that but i do think like there are men that just feel like you're attachment to another man is more important than your inherent value and i don't even feel like it's conscious on some level they're like well you're you know like there's just kind of like this attitude that like well every woman wants me a male partner and so (laughs) you're obviously lying unless you are dating somebody why else wouldn't you want to fuck me yeah How dare you? Boys, 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 boys. 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 So many reasons. (laughs) There's so many, so, so, so many reasons. What was the segment we thought about having when you were talking with uh, Jeff about, we're going to like just... Jeff is our friend. Jeff Jeff is one of our friends who is a guy. Ew. Ew. JK, we love you. But like we were talking with him about a podcast and we were talking about having a segment where we just roast our guy friends. Yeah. 
which I do need listeners to know that our guy friends have literally volunteered for us to bash them on the podcast. Because uh, they all Maybe do it. Maybe we should still do that. They yeah. all do it. And we have, I feel like we have a lot of like close male friends who mm-hmm. are either partnered or single. Mm-hmm. And like where we all talk very openly yeah. about like dating or we talk about our partners or whatever. And they tell us things that they probably shouldn't. Yeah. We, have, we know more than we should. Right. About yeah. the male psyche in yeah. relation to dating. Yeah. Have, you, have you seen this stuff lately about like, ask your boyfriend how often he thinks about the Roman Empire? Yeah, I... Uh, no comment. <laughs> I have no comment at this time. The only one, the only one that I... I think read, they're lying. I think they're lying, but the only one that like made sense to me was this guy who was like, I mean, I just think about all the things going wrong in our country and how we are at the age, as far as the age of our country, where like most empires begin to fall. Sure. And I was like, okay, that one I kind of get. But like your average man... We're on a tangent. Here's a, here's a few follow-up questions for your average man who quote-unquote thinks about the Roman Empire three times a week. Um... Point out Rome on a map. <laughs> I bet they can't. I bet you can't. What dates were the Roman? Were the Empire? Roman Empire? I can't answer that one. I off can't the top either. Of my head. But I'm not claiming to know anything about so it. So what part are they thinking about? Who were their who Who were the three rulers that are your favorites? Yeah. Are they just thinking about the fun little name? Five fun heads? facts about the Roman Empire. And, and to brute. I bet you they can't. No. I bet you they can't. That this is a, for all our our boy listeners, <laughs> our dads, our dads. <laughs> uh, tell us what exactly about the Roman Empire do you think of if you do think of it frequently? I can't imagine. I care. Sarah doesn't really care. <laughs> I, I am not concerned with the thoughts of men. <laughs> I'm not gonna lose sleep over what a man thinks about. <sighs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to this man. You're right. What were they doing that that we should be doing? They had chariots. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't they cool. also put prisoners in rings to fight to the death? Yeah. Which, uh, okay, sounds a little fun. <laughs> if they weren't human people. Right, if it didn't contradict with all my ideas about our current legal and incarceration system, which overall is bad. <laughs> and what else? They what? They wore cool outfits. I think that's really kind of kind of fun. Is the Roman robes. Empire togas? Yeah, I think so. Do you think that's why there's toga parties at frats? Because because the the men. Oh well, Greek, because they're Greek letters. Oh, but I but I mean because they're boys. Oh yeah, yeah, probably. Because they're just always they're thinking just thinking about, about ancient empires in general. Couldn't be me. <laughs> Do you they, think it's because they subconsciously think of it as the good old days? Yeah, because they were like, man, I was supposed to be a warrior, and now I'm just sitting on my silly little computer. Man, remember when women had no say in anything? That was so fun. I would rather date a silly little email guy. <laughs> because what am I going to talk to a Roman chariot chariot rider about? Yeah. How was your day, honey? This whole conversation is just becoming increasingly unhinged. Of course it is. <laughs> we started at men ta- thinking about the Roman Empire. No, 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 that was my bad. 
we started unhinged. How can we have a civilized conversation about that? About men, what men think about? We've reached the point <laughs> we've reached the point of this episode where I'm just going to hate yeah. everything about men. It's sometimes under the right conditions. It's fun to hurt a man's feelings because sure. historically they deserve it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I it's a funny trend on the internet. I just don't we have more exciting things to talk about girls than yeah. what men think about. What are we thinking about? I saw a video today that said that the female equivalent is the Victorian, the Victorian age. Okay, that's fair. If we are making that comparison, then I can see if that is what it is to them, then I can see how maybe they would think about the Roman Empire more. I'm often thinking about yeah, like that had to be Victorian nice. age stuff. Not for everyone though. Not for everyone. But if you were like wealthy, if you married for money, mm-hmm. if you're a white woman. Mm-hmm in the English countryside <laughs> that married for money to a man who just happened to be really nice and kind and respectful to you. Uh, probably pretty nice. You know? Uh-huh. Embroidery. Yeah. Um, I don't... That's pretty much the extent. <laughs> hey, painting tables. Horses, walking through the countryside. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like you would brush your hair for like at least two hours a day. At least. Or like brush you know like your sister would be brushing your hair for at least two hours a day and like that sounds nice yeah something to think about something to think about but you know what i won't be thinking about the roman empire i won't be thinking about the roman empire or the thoughts of men i won't be thinking about the thoughts of men that's exactly what my second thing was i will not be thinking about that um because i am too busy thinking about the victorian cool Oh, this has been. <laughs> this is why I just have to say, this is why going on first dates is terrible. Because you're like, what are your hobbies? When you're sitting across the table from a man and you say, what are you, what do you like to do in your spare time? And then you're like, my brain every time is like, I don't think, I don't think I care. Just getting to fender benders on the way and then you don't have to go. No. But you like we don't dates, recommend so. that. I yeah. don't love it. It's it's okay. I to be clear, feel- I only wanted to get in a fender bender. I didn't actually get in a fender bender. I this last first date I went on, I wanted to get in a fender. I you was did. having but then thoughts you did of it, fender benders. And it was kind of fun. It was it was fun and it was fine. Yeah. Was it like the best way to spend a Saturday afternoon? Probably not. No. But I lived and was really proud of myself. But okay. I was I had thoughts of I had thoughts of fender benders the whole the whole day. <laughs> put that i'm a counselor i'll put that on like my my check-in forms that i'm like we're gonna do a quick little mental health are you having thoughts of fender benders it's not quite like death yeah (laughs) you know like but it's like you know mild injury yeah that incapacitates me so i don't have spectrum like i'm having a great time here yeah (laughs) on earth i would like the sniffles so i can say no to this thing or i would like to die (laughs) do i really don't want to be here anymore fender bender is somewhere like lots of fender benders is like an eight yeah maybe a seven if ten is death death and one is i love what does it say about me that a fender bender for me would be like a four it's mental illness isn't (laughs) it it's mental illness isn't it i feel like we should have like clarified uh i am mentally ill with bipolar i am also mentally ill and depression and with just complex depression. trauma. 
and not and those borderline personality disorder. <laughs> we love to talk about it. And now I'm in school to become a counselor. <laughs> and we both love to cope with making silly little podcasts, becoming pod, 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 <gasps> becoming podcast bros. Yeah, we are podcast bros now. Okay, do we have anything we want to talk about before we wrap this up? The cat is still right there. Yeah, we we have had a kitten sitting on our... We're both cat ladies in the sense that neither of us have cats that we own, but we both have cats that we attract. Just sleeping with a paw out like this. Should we have Goose as a special guest? Yeah. Goose is my cat that just lives on my porch. <laughs> okay, to okay. wrap this up, we will be... We have a whole season planned, actually. Yeah. Uh, somewhere. I I don't remember what any of it is. Yeah. For those of you who we told, we're going to do a podcast, and you're like, they're never going to do a podcast, or they're going to do us one now. episode, and then they're going to stop. We are still only on episode one. Sorry <laughs> to our haters. <laughs> Sorry to our haters. I bet you feel pretty dumb I right now. I bet you feel pretty dumb right now. <laughs> So we will be, this was our first episode. We did it. Yeah, welcome to Mad Woman in the Attic. Did we ever say the title of the podcast? I think I did at the beginning. Okay. If not, this podcast that you're listening to is called Mad, Mad Woman, Woman in, in the, the Attic. Attic. And we will be handing off, taking turns. Next week, I will be diving into, I believe, a cult leader. Yeah. I don't know. Is our I'm next be episode. I can't remember mm-hmm. um, off the top of my little head, but... Uh, I will be telling a fun story to Maggie mm-hmm. next week. Yeah. Um, and th- since this was our first episode, we had a little bit more back backstory, but we will also be doing fun um, segments, fun little silly segments like may or may not be setting up my feet finder. We will be setting up a feet finder. I for said Maggie. may or may not. And you're like, we will. <laughs> we will be setting up a feet finder account for Maggie. We've been meaning to do this for yeah years yeah <laughs> quite literally quite literally i will be her um manager the chris jenner of maggie's feet finder yeah um as in her mommy yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and we will also have segments like the most unhinged things i've messaged men on hinge unhinged on hinged which can get pretty silly because I do occasionally in my spare time just like to send hilarious messages mm-hmm. to men on Hinge. Yeah. Or is it a business or is it a hyperfixation? Yeah. Uh, exhibit A, this podcast. It's a business. It's a business. It's not a hyperfixation. We will be probably starting Both. several businesses, several Etsy stores, I imagine, will come out of yes. this podcast. Um, and we're going to probably do several silly segments on yeah. our next episodes just because... We can. Yeah. <laughs> because we want to. Right. <laughs> yeah. And stay tuned for stay tuned. a Patreon where you will be able to see the full video recordings of us. We're so, we're so hot. Yeah. If you, <laughs> for, for our just audio listeners, we yeah. record these podcasts in tight tank tops without bras on. Yeah. So if you want to listen to this while looking at nips. Yeah. Subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon. We will probably be on the social media channels. Yes. I think we don't have a fixed plan right now, but probably what other podcast people do, we'll probably do those things too. So look for us in those yes. spaces. Yes. Where other <laughs> other, where podcasters other podcasts hang out. Hang out. Here. Yeah. And I think I really 
my dream what's your dream for this podcast oh that's a good question that's a good way to end this my dream for this podcast so i follow a lot of different podcasts two of my favorites right now my favorite murder obviously national park after dark I won't go off and list, but I love that those types of podcasts in particular have created such like a cool, strong community of women. Yeah. Like I have, uh, while I don't expect anybody to go get our podcast tattooed on their body, I do have SSD. <laughs> except for us. Except for us. I do have SSDGM on my arm um, as a tattoo, which if you don't listen to My Favorite Murder, stay, sort stay, stay sexy, sexy and don't, don't get, get murdered. murdered. And the number of women I've had come up and be like, oh, my favorite murder. I'm like, yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like not that. community. Yeah, like a community, like whatever. It'd be cool for a lot of people to listen. It'd be cool if we could monetize it. Like there's a lot of cool things that could come from it. But I think the most important thing for me is that like it, we create a space for people who are like specifically feeling like they're not living the way people around them expected them to live yeah or feel like they're subverting a norm like I'm thinking of so many friends like we're in Oklahoma I grew up in Texas I have so many friends who especially in like southern religious culture yeah like you get married you're engaged there's like a ring by spring and it's freshman year of college by spring yeah like I think for some it's like by your senior year like no at ace where I went to college it was like by this spring of your freshman year you're engaged you're engaged and so I just feel like this could be such a cool like place for people like you and me Sarah to feel heard and seen and like the way you are living and loving or not loving is valid and also to like reaffirm like the importance of like platonic friendships what you're making me think of is i feel like there are so many times when we hang out with each other when maggie and i hang out with each other where we'll have like really great conversations that just make me i can't speak for you that just make me feel so understood yeah and like less lonely Mm -hmm. in my situation and I feel like sometimes when I talk to other women who maybe don't have a friend like that yeah I'm like man I wish I could just like package up having a friendship like that or even like not just our friendship like Mm -hmm. our community of friends that we have we have a lot of awesome like single women yeah like and not single women who like are dating more recently and like who are Found, just like so a really lovely partner like supportive yeah and so like like if shit hits the fan in yeah. your life are, are helpful and are mm-hmm. like really the closeness of like a marriage relationship yes. that you would have how you rely on that person for everything mm-hmm. and you rely on like your nuclear family mm-hmm. for everything I feel like we have friends that are really that way yeah to the point where I almost I have them sometimes we all have the thoughts at night mm-hmm. where you can spiral a little of like I'm gonna be alone for the rest of my life yeah like they're gonna find my body <laughs> like yeah. weeks later and yeah. my dog will have eaten my face off <laughs> you know like we all have those thoughts but I feel like I have them a lot less because of the friends that we have and I think like I would like to create a larger scale of that Mm -hmm. so that I think like people feel less alone Mm -hmm. in whatever their situation is you don't have to be single I think you can be happily married to a partner you love and have beautiful kids and still feel really alone yeah and I think like it would be nice Mm -hmm. to have 
a community that feels how our friendship feels in yeah. our life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to try again? <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> what, you'll, what you'll learn from this podcast is I love to say sentimental things. That make me cry. Absolutely deadpan. <laughs> And then I just And stop. Maggie cries and then I go, anyways. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that would be really nice. And mm-hmm. I think it would be fun to just descend into the madness of podcast brotherhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are podcast bros. Like every week we just show up with like a baseball hat. We have neon lighting. We're in the dark. We're in beanbags all of a sudden. (laughs) Just every, every one needs like one extra We're wearing Air Jordans. We have joggers on. We're podcast bros. We're going to be in a basement by the end of season one. (laughs) With our gaming chairs. Yeah, we're going to have gaming chairs. (laughs) We need headsets. Yeah, we do. I saw this thing that was like for people listening I really like video games and there's like a specific trope about men in video games where it's like the Doritos and like the Mountain Dew you know like in their gaming chair and stuff oh, and there yes. was this girl who posted she was like I'm just that in a different font and she had her sparkling water <laughs> and her sun chips yeah I'm drinking exhibit a. <laughs> and I was uh, and her switch in bed and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> I'm just the, the the girly pop version of a gamer boy yeah so we will be girly yeah. pop podcast bros. Yes. That's the other part of yeah. my vision. Yes. Because I just love to um, take things from men and make them more fun. Yeah. <laughs> and having fun with my buddy. That's yeah. another dream. And spending this. time together. Yes. Not that we wouldn't already be spending time together because we definitely would yeah. be spending a Sunday afternoon together if we weren't doing this. But mm-hmm. it is nice to sit here across from you. Looking through our ring Looking lights. Looking through a bunch of ring lights. <laughs> Which aren't on. Which aren't clear. on. Um, they're Look just holding our lighting. phones. All natural, baby. Not a single light on in this house. There's a cat. Oh, this kitten is... Oh, my God. It has the smallest head I've ever seen in my it's life. It's so teeny tiny. It's so tiny. Although it's grown. The first time I saw yeah. it, it was sitting in your flower pot when I drove up. It <laughs> and was... it shat in my flower pot, too, because it smelled quite a bit up there Honestly, for a while. Good for her. Fertilizer, etc. For well, the flowers that aren't in the flower pot. <laughs> she's laying a foundation. She's sowing seeds for next year's harvest. Mm. Can't wait to eat those. Dingleberries. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks to so much. our absolute chaotic, unhinged first episode of Mad Woman in the Attic. Yeah. And I would love to say that things will get less chaotic, but they're, they'll probably more. Yeah, probably more. I Yeah. I imagine things will get um, just wilder and wilder we hope to speak at you again soon (laughs) and for you to eventually follow us on our social channels yeah so we can all be friends yeah and tell your girlies tell the girls i mean anybody can listen to this podcast obviously but tell the girlies specifically he's she's amazed i feel like there are probably a lot of women out there in similar situations and sometimes it can be hard to find those kind of people. So Yeah, it can be. Spread the word for our sake and the sake of the women. Just everyone move to our neighborhood, which we will not drop our addresses. No, we won't. Unless you... <laughs> Did I 
<laughs> Unless you privately message us. <laughs> and we're like, sure. <laughs> we're like, okay. <laughs> if you were going to send us presents, you need to get a P.O. box. <laughs> that might be safer. <laughs> here's, here's, my, here's my address. My home address. Anyways. Bye. Okay, bye. Love ya. Love ya. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could sing oh 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 backwards like and we need me to me me me